The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast presented by FanDuel. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Appreciate the song Lion Kings. That is our intro again this season. James, you recently completed an overhaul of your top 400 prospect rankings, and we're going to be looking at a lot of the risers and fallers from this latest update. And you sent me a list of a lot of risers, you sent me some notable followers, but there are a lot of guys that you just said, yeah, he's off the list entirely, that you did not send me. Uh, I probably cut about 25 to 30 guys, uh, maybe actually a little bit more than that, like 30 to 40 guys off the list. Uh, so there's probably 30, 35 new faces on there. Uh, I tried to, I mean, a lot of the guys that drop off the list are either guys who's who are going to open the year in a short season league and just haven't started playing yet. And there was somebody that has been playing and has been impressing who I felt needed to be on the list. So to me, it kind of makes sense to take off some of the lesser 
guys that are going to open the year in a rookie league because they can't improve their value between now and mid June anyways. So might as well put somebody on the list who has a chance of really kind of climbing the ranks over the next few months uh, versus some of those, you know, I'm leaving on all the top guys that are, that are going to open the year in a rookie league, but a few of the lesser guys fell off. And then some guys to just, you know, if you're in that 300 to 400 range and you get off to like a really crappy start, then I don't mind bumping you uh, even if yeah. it's early in the season. A lot of churn, a lot of turnover. I imagine with that bottom, you know, fifty to a hundred spots. Most uh, comprehensive prospect list in the industry. So we appreciate all the work you do there. Let's start with the top riser that you sent me here, Jesus Lazardo, already up to number twenty-three in the overall top four hundred. I saw some pics of this guy pitching the other day, and uh, I was pretty excited about him too coming into the year. Uh, I like that he has that kind of thiz frown on his face. You know that. That West Coast uh, mean mug on his face when he pitches. Really impressive start for him. Uh, 0.77 ERA in 14 and two-thirds. What was, was it just the results that led him up this high, or did something kind of click for you with, with the evaluation of Lazardo? Well, I you know, I predicted before the season that he was going to have a huge year and, and climb the rankings, but even I didn't think he was going to, come out like this where he's I mean arguably he's been the best pitcher in the minor leagues so far to start the season and he's jumping straight to high A skipping low A completely and he already probably needs a promotion to double A and I think that you're going to see him spend a good chunk of the summer months at double A probably finish the year at triple a uh if this was a team that was going anywhere i could see a case for him even making the big leagues this year i think he's ready to get big league hitters out we saw that in spring training uh this is just a guy that's on a rapid rapid ascent through the minors you know he he might be ready for the big leagues before he even gets to 100 pro innings under his belt like he's he's that advanced and i just i feel really really good about this guy being you know, and maybe an SP three early on, eventually an SP two, and then uh, quite possibly an SP one as long as things stay healthy. Yeah, that that is a question he has had the Tommy John once, but yeah, exciting arm for sure. What is he the now the f- one, two, three, four, fifth ranked? I'm sorry, sixth because Otani's still sixth ranked pitcher in the minors for you. Yeah, and that's kind of crazy. I mean, coming into the year, I think he would have been. I think he was probably outside the top. 12 or 15 or so and yeah already knocking on the door of the top five uh i ended up selling high on him in uh the tdgx dynasty league i did a trade this week where i sent jesus lazardo adonis medina and hylian ortiz for josh Hader, nick pavetta matt kemp and zach davies i'm trying to win this year and really just was lacking pitching depth and uh, believe in Pavetta. I think Josh Hader's the best reliever in baseball. Um, I, I think Zach Davies is constantly underrated, especially in like 20 team leagues like this, but man, it was really, really painful for, for me to move Lazardo, but he's one of those guys where uh, he's gotten to that point now where he can headline a deal like that. Absolutely. Let's talk about Jordan Alvarez because he's not far behind Lazardo now in the top 400. Um, 
Yeah, 26. So just three spots behind him. Saw you tweeting recently about Alvarez. Um, what has him climbing the, the rankings? He's just, he's kind of a flawless, just as, as a hitter, I don't know what I would say that he could, he needs to work on. Like, I, I just don't know what you could say in terms of nitpicking. Uh, he hits, he's hitting 45% of the balls uh, to the opposite field right now, which that's, you know, that's pretty rare for a 20 year old hitter. And usually when you see that, it's like a, just a slap guy. Like it's like a second baseman or just a, like a center fielder who's just trying to take the ball the other way, just get on base. Like they don't have much power. So they're just trying to do what they can to, to get on base. But Alvarez has monster raw power. He already has two home runs in 11 games this year. He had three home runs in 58 games at high a last year. Uh, so the, the power starting to show more in games already he's a big guy he's like six five six six but still runs pretty well uh i mean he's just 20 years old so i guess that's not a huge surprise but he's been playing strictly the outfield so far this year uh can play first base as well so that's going to give him some positional flexibility when he gets to the big leagues uh just just a guy that i see hitting for a very high average with 30 homer power uh, eventually and He's, you know, a lot of people, I, one guy commented in, uh, I think it was on Twitter when I, when I sent that tweet out, he's like, yeah, I just love getting Astros prospects. And I was like, well, yes and no. Like it's, it's great to get the, the really, really good Astros prospects, but the kind of middle tier guys have a hard time cracking that lineup. I think Alvarez is, is good enough where he's eventually going to be an everyday player for them. Yeah. Don't ask me about Derek Fisher right now because he's Yikes. kind of a fringe guy who's, uh, not doing too well, but another big riser, Jack Flaherty, and I think this is interesting because you know, there was some velocity concerns early on, but uh, the breaking ball looked really awesome. Still, still playing the stash game where I can with it, Jack Flaherty. Uh, but what, aside from the the one major league start, has you bumping Jack, Jack Flaherty up your list? He wasn't, you know, I. He, I think I moved him up maybe 25 spots, but I, it was just kind of a thing where there were enough people in front of him that kind of got off to slowish starts. He's big league ready. I think he's stashed in almost all formats. I mean, if you're listening to this show, he's he's got to be owned in your league. Uh, just the fact that he has that wide of an appeal made me feel like I had to move him up from kind of the the mid to late sixties into the forties. Uh, not a guy that's got the upside of a, of a Jesus Lazardo or, or those, some of those guys ahead of him. But uh, you know, he's kind of in that Mike Soroka grouping of, of pitchers who are close to big league ready. And I feel pretty good about them being, being starters that you can start uh, almost every single time out in the vast majority of formats. Let's talk about Khalil Lee of the Royals because 171 strikeouts last year, still part of his game. He also is drawing some walks, but is it what he's doing this year that has you moving him up or it's kind of a philosophical change where you're more willing to overlook high strikeout rates from, from kids at this age? Yeah, he's in that age range and the strikeout rates in a range where I'm not that bothered by it. If you're 19 years old and you're 
striking out 32% of the time at high A, but you're almost 100% better than the average hitter in the league. I mean, that, that'll that play. And he's really improved his approach. It's it's early. It's only been 12 games, but he's using the, the whole field a lot more than he did last year. He's walking almost 20% of the time, uh, which is just, that's a sign to me that he's just kind of too good for the pitchers in that league. He's striking out a lot, but like when he makes contact, it's just, it's big time contact. He's working the count. He's really waiting for a pitch he can drive and he's still showing some speed. So, you know, I think he's in for another impressive year with the the counting stats of power and speed. Uh, and a guy that I, he's in a nice organization because there's just no one that's ever going to block him there. Like they're in such a, such a rebuild it's such a desolate system especially in the upper levels when he's ready he's going to play every day uh i think he's got a lot of similarities to oakland chris davis where i think that eventually he settles in as a you know like a 245 250 hitter who is just a lock for 30 plus homers a year nice and unrelated completely to what we've been talking about so far i mean brian price I'm surprised I didn't lead off the Man, show with how, that. What I are we like to. in the almost past? We got to be past the ten minute mark yeah, already. Yeah, past ten minutes now. It's the first time bringing up Brian. <laughs> Brian. Um, not the kind of guy who likes to dance on somebody's uh, grave, so to speak. But it is good, I think, for Reds fans to finally kind of turn the page. You know, a three and fifteen start. Obviously, nothing was. They're not going anywhere this year. They haven't named a replacement, so it's Jim Riggleman right now, which is probably a downgrade in the immediate future. But I think just kind of washing your hands and ending that relationship is uh, best for the organization. So I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> just a quick yeah, just, a quick uh, PSA. Just wanted to mention that <laughs> we're going to talk about a few Reds prospects that have moved up, shed long included. But first, we'll talk about Josh Naylor and another guy I saw you tweeting about recently, just having a hard time evaluating. This guy, we saw him in the fall league, was really hefty there at his age. Did run pretty well, though, so there is some some athleticism, and clearly what he's doing now is really impressive. Um, currently, let me just double-check to be sure this is still right. Yep, through 12 games, as many home runs as strikeouts with six. He's walked three more times than he's struck out. How surprised are you by this this improvement with the plate approach? It's it's just one of the most surprising but the the word I used on Twitter was befuddling. Like I it's just I don't know what to do with it. It's only twelve games, it's it's small sample size theater. I mean in mid May things should start to make a bit more sense with what he's doing, but right now I just I have no idea how to value a guy that's gotten off to such a crazy start where you know, he's hitting 395. The BABIP is not like you, you would look at his numbers and you would just expect that he would have like a 500 BABIP. He doesn't, it's, it's in the threes. He's walking so much more and he's striking out. It's, it's only nine to six. So it's not like a big enough sample size to really say that there's a clear change, but it, I mean, it's hard to argue with everything he's doing i i just don't know what to do i kind of like throw my hands up if i could and just say i don't i don't know where to rank him right now i i want to tell people to trade him or shop him but he's not a guy that you should be 
trying to like he, you shouldn't be sending offers with him in them you should be trying to re- you should reach out to an owner and then hope that he asks about josh naylor <laughs> and then just kind of like you play it like you love this guy it's going to be tough to pry him loose that type of thing but what if this is some sort of sign of like the new josh naylor i mean it, it's I mean, there's a chance that this is semi-real and he's all of a sudden a guy that I should have like in my top 25. And, and it's, it's really tough to, to get a read on what's going on here. Uh, obviously blocked all over the place in San Diego. They've got two first basemen ahead of him. Uh, one of them has is, is been relegated to the outfield. So nowhere for Naylor to play in San Diego. And players like him have really really lost any kind of luster on the free agent market trade market where you're just going to be a defensive negative no matter where they play you so it it, you'd think an al team would make the most sense uh but you know what if he's i mean he could be a better hitter than a guy like willie calhoun who also has those same defensive limitations so you know, maybe the Padres can find an AL team to take him off their hands at this year's trade deadline. Uh, it's going to be interesting to to follow his season after this crazy hot start. I really I don't know what to do with him right now. Yeah, so you have him fifty seven right now, and looks like what uh, one, two, three, four, five spots below him. Will Benson, who was you know not a whole lot lower to begin the season. I, I drafted him in a few spots. I think he was in like the seventies range, but. He's off to a pretty nice start, not really in terms of batting average, but on base. And is that kind of going to be the book on Will Benson moving forward? Pretty low average, but a really good on-base guy who gives you power and speed. I think that, well, yeah, I mean, he's always going to walk at a double-digit clip. Uh, 16% is, is the best rate of his career. The thing that I'm really excited about is the strikeouts. He's really cut those down almost 8% down from what he was at in uh the new york pen league last year and that's if you just tell me will benson's going to strike out less than 30 percent of the time i think he's going to be just a monster i mean that that's the only thing to really watch with him the tools are pretty crazy he's got monster raw power um and he's he's shown a pretty good approach this year in terms of taking the ball the other way uh usually you see guys like this just just fall in love with pulling the ball he's got power to all fields i this is a guy i would be trying to trade for i mean he might even be out there in some dynasty leagues if you know if someone wasn't using my rankings then there's a chance he's out there uh but this is definitely a guy that i i think is an ascending asset in in dynasty formats Let's talk about Dalton Varsho because he's currently the number two catcher on your overall top 400. And what he's doing right now is pretty insane. 316 average, 447 on base, 579 slug. But do you caution a little bit about reading too much into these numbers just given the setting? Uh, kind of, but also, you know, this is another guy that, that completely skipped low A and is – like the best one of the best hitters in uh the cow league right now and that's really exciting the walk rate is way up there at 15 percent after walking just eight percent of the time in uh short season ball last year strikeout rate is in a manageable range he's running as as we thought he would he's showing plus speed on the bases 
I think my prediction before the season was that he might might go 2020. That seems to almost be you know close to a lock if if he can stay healthy this year. I think that the the power and the speed are definitely playing right now. I this guy I think has fantasy like top three catcher upside and he might not even play there every day he might get time at like second base left field that type of thing but as long as he can qualify at catcher i i think this guy could be really special and just kind of a a unicorn of sorts at the position where he's contributing double digit steals every single year hitting for high average hitting for power hitting in the top three of his team's lineup uh, there's just there's a ton of upside here it, it is early it's very early but uh not a guy i would be trying to sell high on he's a guy i'd actually be trying to to buy if i could still get him at a reasonable price nice well, let's talk about brendan mckay because he's a really an interesting player obviously given his ability to play on both sides of the ball really great patience right now and a great eye he's showing 12 walks against just three strikeouts uh, not a ton of power just one extra base hit but pretty exciting guy he's also I made a couple appearances on the mound, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he's made two starts. Nice. So how how do you see this playing out with him and, and the, the two-way situation? Do you think it's something where they do eventually drop one, or is, are they going to let him continue to develop on both sides? I think they're going to take it as far as it can go. I think that they would happily have a guy that they use the same way the Angels use Otani. I mean, the, the Rays love roster flexibility i think that they've kind of been pioneering how to use the back part of your rotation early this year if they had a guy like like an otani where they could just pitch him once a week start him at dh three times a week maybe first base once a week that would really help them with their roster i mean you're you're covering kind of two roster spots with one player that way and i think that that would really be appealing to them but if he gets to high a or double a and he's either pitchers figuring figure him out or he's having a hard time getting hitters out then i i could see them scrapping one i think that they prefer him as a hitter so if if i had to bet uh i would probably still bet that he just ends up being a full-time hitter but there's definitely a chance that he ends up being a two-way guy Let's talk about Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins. Numbers right now at AAA aren't really that great. He's walked 11 and 15 in the third innings. He is missing some bats, but is it really just kind of proximity that's led to him being pushed up? Yeah, proximity and strikeouts. I think that he's not a guy that I think anyone should feel comfortable just setting it and forgetting it once he's up and in that rotation. But, you know, I think he could be a guy that has you know a handful of starts this year where he strikes out eight or more batters if you kind of pick your spots with him i think he could be pretty useful and honestly just the the strikeouts picking up this much is encouraging because in 2017 at double a the strikeout rate was only 19 percent now he's up to 25 percent at triple a it's early but uh, that's that's a good sign because the stuff's always been there, but just kind of sequencing and locating and and that type of thing has been a big issue for him. That's kind of uh, had given him a hard time allowing the stuff to play up. The breaking ball has been an issue with him. So if he's making strides in those areas, that would be huge for his strikeout potential long term. The walks are obviously a huge issue, but 
you know, a guy like Michael Kopech is ranked inside the top 20. He's definitely not going anywhere. And walks are a bit of an issue for him. He might have a slightly better pitch mix, but Sandy Alcantara's stuff is kind of in that range. At least the, the fastball is. And I just have a hard time, given his proximity, having him outside the top 100 anymore. Well, let's talk about a guy who's been getting some buzz lately. And you, you kind of told me that, look, he's forced my hand. I don't really have a choice but to move him up a little bit. It's Tyler O'Neill. He came up today, but playing time uncertain. And his window to stay in the big league roster is uncertain, too. I'm hoping that we see a pretty hefty bid in our stake league tonight. Let's get some <laughs> of that money out there. But we'll see. But what, um, what has he done exactly to force your hand? Uh, I just... You could get there, there's going to be someone in every league that thinks Tyler O'Neill is like a an amazing fantasy prospect. Um, uh, my buddy Ralph Lifshitz over at Rasball has just been banging the drum on Tyler O'Neill for at least a year, uh, probably longer than that. And I've been a pretty big pessimist on him. I would still like with with Naylor. I'm not sure. With Naylor, I'm like man, I don't know what to do. I would, de- I would definitely be trying to get him in an offer, but with O'Neill, I would definitely be, uh, trying to shop him just cause I think this might be the peak of his value. Just a really, really hot start to a season at a level that he was repeating in a hitter friendly league. Uh, I think this is an excellent opportunity to cash out on him in dynasty leagues. Uh, just because I, I think that the, the outfield situation in St. Louis he just needs, in my opinion, he needs an injury to play. Uh, I think that Dexter Fowler's contract and the defense defensive upgrade that Dexter Fowler provides over O'Neill should keep t- uh, Fowler's bat in the lineup, even when he's struggling, assuming fam and Ozuna are healthy. So that's an issue I worry about. I still don't think this is a guy that's going to hit for a high average at all in the big leagues. I know that he was hitting 388 in the PCL, uh, but also, you know, walking less than 2% of the time, to me, that kind of tells me that he is just ambushing fastballs early in the count. And once the book gets out, I mean, if you just went breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball to him to start off at bats instead of trying to set everything up uh, with the fastball, I wonder if he would have that same kind of success. So he's a, he's a guy that I think over a long stretch of at bats in the big leagues would really kind of get exposed at least initially could end up settling in as a like a Matt Olson type of guy uh, if everything goes well but I I just don't know when he's going to get that opportunity nice yeah I uh, would love to make a trade trade him and staff too but I think too many people there are listening to you as they should you could uh, I bet you could move him there for yeah. quite a bit I mean there well I I guess I haven't tried, but well, our, our lineup block is tomorrow. Maybe I need to hit up that trade block uh, once we're done. Like, what's the type of haul that you would try to target on a guy like O'Neill? Like, would you be looking for a big league, like a big league piece? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, maybe an arm. I'm trying to think of who would be a reasonable arm to try to get for him. Um. Can't really think right now. Maybe like, oh, this is a pipe dream, but like Eduardo Rodriguez, that's not going to happen. I would at least offer that and just see, you know. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I guess. 
guess I could check in with some of those bottom feeders. Some guy that like, you know, some guy that's off to like a pitcher that's off to a slow start that you have faith in. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that would be a great way to go with a guy like Tyler O'Neill. What about this? I know this is a guy you like, and he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but Tyler O'Neill for a guy like Nate Jones, if you need a closer. Oh yeah, that yeah, that'd be ideal. Uh, now Nate Jones, the White Sox are so bad that we're just kind of assuming he's the closer right now. They just haven't had a ton of opportunities for him. But I mean, it all signs point to him being the guy. Uh, yeah, I know it, there was a report that they were going to share that role, and maybe that is how it is. But uh, he's so Soria much better than Soria yeah, to he me. He did blow yeah. a save too. And yeah, I, I saw Jones. He was a little wild yesterday in that ridiculous marathon of a game, but he got the job done. Kept the game tied for the White Sox. But fantasy baseball fans, the season is underway, and with baseball season comes FanDuel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel, the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind. Something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just 25 cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. We have the FanDuel uh, Rotowire Baseball Championship you can sign up for it, fandle.com slash RWBC. How did you do in that last night, James? Because I had a, I think I was like bottom five. I was also bottom five. Uh, <laughs> Heck of a showing. Yeah, I was. The, you got the mats stink on you, didn't you? I got the mats stink on me. I, uh, you know, the tool I was using told me to go uh, with a few guys. Um <laughs> Against Garrett Cole. Uh, huh. which, Actually, I had Segura. Yeah, yeah, I think I had Segura and I had Kyle Seeger. And uh, I didn't even check what my lineup did. I just saw where I finished, and I just assumed everyone just completely crapped the bed. But, I mean, it was it was bound to happen. I, I got off to a hot start. Don't worry. I never I never once thought it was legit. I never yeah. once thought it was skill. Um, yeah, I tried to say, <laughs> oh, give yourself more credit last week. And you're like, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I got. I tried to pick on Brandon McCarthy. That didn't work out. But uh, again, you can take us on your chance to to qualify for the Rotowire Baseball Championship and play against your friends for bragging rights, or play against the public for a million in cash prizes. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at fanduelcom rw You'll get a free six month Rotowire subscription, which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on Fanduel. Just visit fandle.com slash RW void where prohibited. James will continue down this list. We, you sent me a long list and we're already pushing a half hour. Yeah, we, so we're going to have to skip some of these names. But we gotta get Joey Lucchese, <laughs> I want to talk to you quick about him. But we talked a little bit last week. But are you still kind of, I mean, you bumped him up, which makes sense given the results so far. But are you still pretty skeptical? I mean, I would be trying to trade him in dynasty and single season leagues right now. I just don't know. I mean, you're a you're a Lucchese owner. Yeah, I I'm, can't give him away. Yeah, so it's it's tough. I mean, I think a lot of the problems you're running into is just it's a staff league, and people think that if you want to get rid of get rid of a guy, then that's kind of like a red yeah. flag. Uh, people are just like that generally thinking like. Anytime you come with them out of the trade that you're, you know, they look at it with a skeptical eye, like you're trying to rip them off. Yeah. Nobody's got any confidence. Everyone yeah. just thinks that they're uh, somebody that everyone's trying to pick on. 
which is often true, but I mean, at least at least have some confidence in yourself, have some self respect. You're right that that is often true, but <laughs> not always. And look, you just use your own mind to, you know, make a counter or just do yeah. just say no. Like yeah. it's not going to be offended or like you know, I can't be offended. Nobody can if you reject a trade. I do. I do think it is. It's interesting how much. I mean, our buddy Rob Silver pointed this out on Twitter. Interesting how much his steamer projections adjusted since this mm-hmm. start. I just, I still see more of like a guy with like a ERA around four, maybe slightly above four. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a exciting start to the season for him. I had to put him inside the top one hundred, but I feel kind of dirty about it. Like this this happens, especially this time of year in the first half. Uh, a guy who I was, and I wouldn't even say I was like low on Luke Casey before the year. I just was kind of where everyone was on him before the year. And a guy like that gets off to a crazy hot start. And I feel like I have to adjust my rankings to catch up to the market. But I always, and this might just be, these are the stuff that that stick with you. But I feel like whenever I do that on a guy that I don't fully buy into, like Luke Casey, I always end up kicking myself for for moving them up like uh, a week or two later because they inevitably like kind of crash and burn. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, I put him on the trade block in that eighteen teamer and didn't even get a nibble, not a single nibble, <laughs> Casey. So mentioned Shed Long earlier. You can mention anything you want with him, but Lucas Ersek I think is interesting because he was another guy that was put on a trade block in our staff too, and he and he thought of maybe testing the waters there. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm, uh, trying to compete this year, so I I wouldn't be in the market, but, uh, it's interesting what he's doing. Um, there's, he's got with, with a ton of conflicting reports. Like I've heard people say that he's like an easy plus defender at third base. I've heard other people say he's below average there. It might just kind of depend what day you see him, but if he can kind of hit the high end of that defensive, uh, grade of what some people put on his defense then i think he could be an everyday player for the brewers in a in a few years and that's that's always interesting especially in that park he hasn't hit a home run yet this year but we know he's got above average raw power uh i think it was just it was helpful for a few guys that were on that carolina team for the brewers last year to just get out of the florida state league because uh, you know Corey ray really struggled there ursig struggled there i think it's just it's better for those guys to be in a more neutral environment and i think that 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 can that league can kind of wear on hitters so uh it's good to see ursig off to a hot start good to see Corey ray off to a hot start as well so we'll move on and touch on some of these fallers but anybody else among these risers that you want to just shout out um no, I mean, I, I would check it out, and, you know, if you have any questions about about guys that were moving up, uh, moving down, or I should I should actually say uh, your boy, your new boy, Griffin Canning. Um, well, thank you for the tip. Well, he, yeah, I mean. That's why he's, I went seven in that league at Fab, because we talked about him. He's up uh, to double A now. It's just Kyle Wright and Griffin Canning are the only pitchers from last year's draft class to be at Double A right now. Starting pitchers, I should say. Yeah, so that's that's quite an accomplishment for a guy like that who, who probably went undrafted in in a lot of dynasty leagues. He's 
he was a hot ad in both of my dynasty leagues this past week. Needed needed a bit of more than yeah, I saw that. five percent of the budget to get him in both leagues. Uh, actually, one more pitcher I want to point out, just because he could definitely become useful in 2018, is Eniel De Los Santos with the Phillies. He was the returning piece in the Freddie Galvis trade. Just two starts at AAA, but really impressive a couple of outings from him he's got a mid-90s fastball uh, pretty good stuff and he's finally starting to miss bats at a clip that you would think would would result from his stuff that that was kind of a knock on him when he was in the Padres system was the strikeouts never quite matched the grades on his pitches and now he's you know through eight innings two starts 14 strikeouts already for him that Phillies, the back of that Phillies rotation, I think it's going to be kind of a revolving door all season for them, especially if they run into injuries. And De Los Santos seems like a, a natural guy to get a get a look this year. Nice. Well, one arm that's falling for you is Jay Grom. He's now at one thirty four. What's going on with him? He's hurt, and that's definitely not a new development with him. He's often hurt. He's either been hurt or struggling to perform ever since getting into pro ball it seems and uh still love the upside with him but uh he's got a a left arm strain is what our last note says uh so that's that's not great and so yeah that's that's a guy that i'm in shallower leagues i'd be fine cutting bait because i'm sure there's somebody that's that's moved past him uh since that injury happened Another faller, Monty Harrison. You know, was it something where you know you got the the rose colored glasses off when when he got traded to Miami? Or are there real uh, flaws in his game that are standing out early on? Well, he's striking out almost thirty seven percent of the time. He's walking uh, quite a bit as well, but just not really making any impact when he when he connects. Uh, one of those guys that I think was a good sell high by the Brewers and sometimes, you know, it took him multiple cracks. Now there were injuries that kind of slowed him down early in his career too, but it, it took him, it took him a while to even get a handle on low a pitching. And for guys like that, you kind of wonder every time they make a jump to a level, whether that those those struggles are going to pop back up again and it takes them another like full season uh to really get going against a certain caliber of pitching i think that that's happening with him right now against double a pitching where he's overmatched quite a bit and that that shouldn't come as a huge surprise if you've been following his career he still has uh really loud raw power uh plus runner so a lot of upside in the the home run and stolen base categories but a guy that might just struggle to make contact enough against upper level pitching for the full package to materialize. He might just be kind of one of those guys that hits 230, 240, and you just keep waiting for him to improve on that, and he never really does. Nice. Before we get to any other specific names, I just want to ask you, because looking at this group of fallers, and I just want to get your thoughts on this, if this is something that you kind of know and are conscious of, or if it's something that, you know, you're maybe not as conscious of, but a lot of these guys, I know you're kind of low on relative to a lot of people 
in the prospect community, you know, Zach Collins, Mickey Moniak, I know you're down on Christian Arroyo. Is it something where you, you know, you see the early results and you kind of feel justified in bumping them further down and kind of putting them where you really felt like you maybe should have had them? <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, there's, there's some of that for sure. Um, you know, with not saying confirmation bias, but like, well, with just kind of knowing that, I mean, it's easy right initially, it's easy to knock some of these guys down. Like it's easy to just look at Moniac. I have no idea why the Phillies assigned him to high A this year. Uh, that's should not surprise anyone that he's really struggling there, uh, because he was well below average at low A. So I don't know why he got the assignment to, to high A, uh, but yeah, I mean it's a it's a better hitters park, I believe. So maybe that that had something to do with it. But uh, you know, it's it's easier to move guys down that are struggling when I wasn't that high on them to begin with. The harder thing for me that I've had to kind of grapple with this week is what to do with a guy like Josh Naylor or Tyler O'Neill, who I was low on, and they've been just mashing like how how much should I move those guys up without it being like kind of a a a ranking for show because it's sort of like oh I still don't really believe in this guy a ton but I know that I can't have him like I can't have Tyler O'Neill or Josh Naylor outside my top 100 right now just based on how they're hitting I just don't think that that's a fair representation of what their market value would be in, in dynasty leagues. And I don't want someone looking at where I have Tyler O'Neill and then them just like giving him away in a trade when they could get a lot more for him. That's a good call. It's just, it's, it's hard with those types of guys because like the Lucases, it's, it's easier when it's someone that's really struggling who I wasn't that high on at all. Like it's kind of easy to just follow your gut instinct on that type of thing. But when it's a guy that it, at least numbers wise you were wrong about you got to be careful not to go too far in the other direction to try to overcorrect. and Mm -hmm. i I think that that's that's where it gets really difficult i think that's really well put because as you've said in the past too you know these are your rankings but they are also supposed to reflect trade value right i mean yeah yeah definitely to to a certain point like it's it's not going to be strictly just this is what you can get for a guy in a trade, but I can't have a guy mm-hmm. like Tyler O'Neill outside my top 100 anymore. I just, it doesn't, it's no use to anyone having him yeah. that low. And same with Moniac, like last year, like you didn't want to put him too low because that would maybe hurt the potential seller of a guy like Moniac. But now that the results are kind of catching up and others are catching up to what kind of player he truly is. I think you're definitely justified in bumping him down. Any of these other any other uh, followers that you want to mention? Uh, two guys that probably fell the furthest are well, actually, yeah, Yasel Antuna, Tristan Lutz, Akil Badu are three guys that fell uh, a ways. And I was hoping to pawn Badu off recently, so that that's troubling. It's just a it's an issue of them just being overmatched at their level right now and those things I hope I didn't move those guys down too far. Like I guess that's I'm not worried about moving Mickey Moniac down too far. Like I could move him off the top four hundred and I wouldn't lose any sleep at night, but like 
a guy like Tristan Lutz or Yasa Antuna, who I had inside the top 100 coming into the year, they've just been so, so bad at low A that I moved them way outside the top 100, and I just hope that wasn't an overreaction. With, with Lutz, I don't think it was. I think he's legit just really overmatched right now, and you know if he starts to make improvements, I'll move him back up. But those are the ones that I, I think kind of also – stick with you it's like did i did i overreact on this guy uh too early yeah nice man well again check out the latest version of the overall top 400 littlewire.com slash pod for free 10-day trial no strings attached don't even have to bust out the old credit card you just get 10 days on us check out all james's work um we have to talk about the collabs countdown we got our what number 18 now on our respective lists i'm not gonna draw this out any longer my pick is uh notorious thugs oh, nice. which i think some would probably argue should be higher and it is a great song i guess i'm just not quite as attached to it as some others i, I like the song a lot obviously it's on my list but it's not one that i could justify putting in my top 10 i uh i mean i think that that's a that's a great call there's going to be a lot of notorious big representation in in my top 20 and i'm gonna actually have some notorious big representation on this this pick but uh just quickly on notorious thugs is like who is biggie the best rapper on that track yeah i'd say so um (coughs) i'm actually a big bone thugs guy being from ohio i actually was close to meeting them my dad thought better of it which was probably (laughs) a good thing at the time because i was like eight or nine but when the art of war came out they were in dayton and we were at like a cd connection and we were gonna go but uh, i do think he's there i think my favorite member of bone is busy though what do you think of that uh i could see that i i'm i'm pro bone thugs i don't have you know i there were a couple of close misses for them i don't have any bone thugs showing up in my top 20 um thug love with tupac was was close uh i didn't end up going with um notorious thugs either just because there are other other biggie tracks with with collabs that i that i prefer but um you know i think crazy bone i think is maybe the best just straight up rapper in bone thugs but i think you could could like definitely make a case that busy bone's the most enjoyable rapper yeah i just like how unique he is and when thugs cry was a great great song and he seems to be, you know, kind of a head case, but uh, <laughs> I like Busy a lot. Crazy is so much more, like, chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Bone. I wonder what's going on with those guys. Well, I, uh, my fiancé actually saw them in Madison, like... Really? I think it was, like, two years ago now. But nice. uh, they did a... They just played the whole East 99 Eternal album, like, from, from, from back, 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 and... uh Let's play the hits. She said it. the The crowd at that show was was something. It was just was it really white. It was uh, it was, it was really it me. was really dreadlocky, like oh. white and black. But a certain both guy, both okay. both the white people and the black people had dreadlocks going on, and I gotcha. not a ton of movement. Like people, you know, go to some concerts and people are just like getting crazy dancing and stuff like that. the The Bone Thugs crowd is more just kind of in place just kind of rocking mm. like very very subdued crowd <laughs> nice i remember bone had like a album in like 2008 that was surprisingly good but 
haven't really heard anything since. Kind of disappointing, but um, do you ever see the Th- When Thugs Cry video by Busy? Uh, I don't think so. That's a classic. Um, really wish they uh, they had more memorable solo stuff, but I guess Crazy had a couple of decent solo tracks. But um, what song you got? All right, this one is gonna offend your sensibilities. I know that going in. Oh no. Uh, but I feel like I'm almost kind of throwing you a bone by having it this low. Uh, okay. the, the song is Victory uh, by Puff Daddy, Notorious B.I.G., and Buster Rhymes off of the No Way Out album. And, hey, I don't have a big problem with that. And look, it, this is my favorite Biggie uh, appearance of all time. Like I think this is wow. Biggie's best work, and... It's down at 18 because of Puff Daddy's, uh, <laughs> you know, he's got a really big effect on this song. Like, it's not just, it's not a appearance you can kind of sweep under the rug. I mean, it is, it's a Puff Daddy track after all. And he's yeah. got the first verse. Uh, you, you just hear Puff Daddy's voice a lot on this song. And yeah. uh, so I couldn't really move it up much higher than this, even though I think the, the biggie verses are both just, Elite, 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 eighty grade rapping. Uh, I think Biggie was actually kind of with each year just getting better and better as a rapper, and that's what made it so sad. This was actually, I think, the last song he recorded uh, before really? he died. Oh yeah, and you know, just really, really sad that he kind of, you know, unintentionally saved the best for last, in my opinion, at least on this song. Um, it's it's a pretty popular song. I'm sure most most of you that are still listening at this point in the podcast have have heard it plenty of times. Uh, yeah, why did you think I wouldn't like this so much? Just well, just of the just because of the puff daddy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's understandable. I mean, this is a great song. I, that's a class. I just feel bad, like watering down our top <laughs> twenty. Bad. I feel bad for that Spotify playlist that I'm the one that brought some puff daddy into yeah. the into the Spotify. Playlist. We talked about you know Ghost Riders yeah. last week. How did how did Puff not have a better ghostwriter? Or was it all just such a whack delivery? See, I think he, I think for some of his stuff, especially like No Way Out album, I think he probably was paying for, for some of the best ghostwriting on the market. It's just like his... His flow. You just, it, yeah, there's only so much you can do with, and especially if you just despise him like I do uh, because of some stuff he's like his role in in like some of the east coast west coast stuff mm-hmm. i just it's hard to vibe with any of any of his stuff no matter how how uh talented the ghostwriter was <laughs> Who wrote it? yeah you will not be seeing any puff on my list take <laughs> this will thankfully be the last appearance puff Teddy makes on the top 20 collabs <laughs> countdown uh, but it will not be the last appearance Notorious B.I.G. makes. No, but you're going to have to live with that. With I do. I, do. I know. <laughs> no Way Out was surprisingly good, though. At yeah. At least I thought it was surprisingly good. I, man, 97. Well, that was like, pri- I mean, that was like kind of Mace's coming out party yeah. and stuff. And like locks were still with Bad Boy back then. So mm-hmm. uh, He had a lot of money to make himself look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> must be nice. Well, James, we appreciate it. Number 17 on our respective list next week. And a topic in mind, maybe? Do you have? Uh, I realize it's hard to find much to write about this time of year. 
Yeah, I I probably won't even know what I'm going to write about until like Sunday or Monday. So nice. Well, we'll look forward to it, whatever it is, and appreciate it, James. Talk to you guys next week on the Prospect Podcast, brought to you by Fanduel. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.